This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, beloved, welcome to the Book of Sean. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Got an amazing show for you. My dear sister Tamika's here. We're going to talk about parenting. Yeah, being a parent ain't easy, okay? It's hard to be a parent. Those of us who are parents, we know that the journey is cumbersome. But sometimes when you're a parent, right, you can go a little too far, right? Let's all admit it. We've We've all done something as parents, and we probably said after the fact, went a little too far with that one. My guest tonight, Tamika, you know, she's a little overprotective of her daughter. And we're going to talk about that, the extent to which that is true. How is that affecting her daughter? What does that mean for her own journey, right? Right, because before she became a mom, she had a life too. I, w- I want to understand where, what is the nature of the overprotection? And, and, and not just what happened, right? But more importantly, what is the journey meant and done to you and for you? All of that. Because the only way to solve a problem is to understand more about who you are. We're going to do that tonight with my sister Tamika. We're going to do some Ask Dr. Sean. You guys sent me some really interesting videos and some great questions. And of course, as is our custom, as is the case, as I am apt to do, we're going to start with some headlines. You know what I always say, pray to bumper highly. So, okay, I know a lot of women watch this show, and uh, I, I love all my viewers, men and women, um, so, and everybody, thank you for watching. But this, this headline, this headline is especially for the women, okay? Not that guys are not interested in this. Um, some guys are, uh, but I know m- mostly women will be able to tap into this and get this vibe, okay? So I found this story of... Um, of how a woman gave away her wedding dress. Okay, just stay with me. She gave away her wedding dress, and in doing so, she inspired other women to do the same. And it became sort of this chain reaction of people having a dress, buying a dress, having a dress, and then giving the dress to other women who, for whatever reason, did not have a dress or couldn't afford a dress, um, and passing the dress along. And the woman who started this trend, her name is Gwendolyn Stugbis, uh, and she realized that her wedding dress was collecting dust, so she went on Facebook and she offered the dress to women who didn't have one, okay? Um, and I'm doing this story because I want to ask all of you, especially the sisters, how do you feel about this? Would you give away your wedding dress? So if, if you had a wedding dress, and this, you know, because you got married, obviously, how comfortable would you be parting ways with the dress? Would it, be, would it be an easy call for you to say, you know what? Because in most cases, right, in most cases, I'm assuming, I don't know, I'm assuming in most cases you only wear the dress once, right? <laughs> That's an interesting question. So is it wrong if you get married and get a divorce and then get married again to wear the old dress? These are, these are all the questions that are coming to my mind about this story. 
Tamika, I'm asking questions about dresses. <laughs> this is what my life has come to. But it's an interesting question, right? Let's get back to the original question. How would you feel if you, if you, if you had a wedding dress, had a great wedding, how would you feel about giving away your dress? Because I'm under the impression, okay, I'm under the impression that for a lot of women, the wedding dress is a big deal, okay? I've done a lot of weddings. I've been in and around of weddings, been around. And the wedding dress for, for most women seem to be a big deal because women are socialized in this country to start thinking about their wedding at like 10 years old, <laughs> right? You start fantasizing about the wedding and the dress and the color and, and all. I mean, come on, you know I'm right. Women are socialized and conditioned to start thinking about their wedding when they're like 11 or something. And for a lot of women, the dress symbolizes and, and, and the, your big day, right? The day, the day when it's all about you, it's about the love you find, love. How would you feel about getting rid of the dress? Just saying to somebody, you know what? I'm never going to wear this dress. It's gathering dust. You can have it. Now, let me just say this very clearly to all the women who are, who are watching right now. Men and boys, we're not socialized like that, okay? We are not socialized to think about no wedding. <laughs> oh, oh, God, I don't know why that's funny to me. But we, we, we are socialized to think about sex. <laughs> that's what we think about. Y'all thinking about the wedding, we thinking about the sex. In fact... Most guys, since we're, just, since we're just talking, most guys don't even have the tuxedo they got married in. Because most of the time, we rented it. We, we, we didn't even want it. <laughs> we gave it back to somebody. This is so interesting. Most guys give the tuxedo back, and we don't care who else wears it after the wedding. That's how different men and women are socialized in this country. But anyway, let me, let, I'm just asking questions today, okay? How hard would it be for you to give something away that symbolized something important to you to somebody else who needed it? That's the real question. And right now, I'm not just talking about the dress. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about Starbucks. Tamika, let's talk about Starbucks, okay? Because Starbucks, apparently, uh, they just announced that they're closing 16 stores around the country citing personal safety concerns. In a letter to employees, the senior vice president of operations of the company said that in order to make workers feel safe in stores, uh, the company is offering active shooter, shooter training as well as other types of safety uh, trainings for employees and, and the like. And in the cases where the employees and people don't feel safe, Starbucks is going to close stores permanently. And I'm doing this story in part because one of the stores that they're going to close is in my neighborhood. <laughs> what does that say about my neighborhood? <laughs> what does that say about my neighborhood? But one of the stores they're going to close, I live in Hollywood, so it's in Hollywood. And, and, and listen, when, when, when a national chain has to come out and say we're closing stores because people don't feel safe in the store, it says something about the times that we live in, doesn't it? You, you, you can tell a lot about the times that you live in when people are willing to close stores and lose money because it's not safe for people to go into the store. That's what Starbucks is doing. Starbucks is saying we'd rather we'd rather not have these stores open and lose money than, 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 than to be in certain communities where you have a lot of mental health concerns and issues. And that's really what's going on. Right. We're living in a time where public safety is a real concern because mental health has deteriorated so much in this country. 
if, if you live in L.A., if you live in L.A. proper, you cannot walk around anywhere in L.A. proper, especially Hollywood, and not see people who are struggling with mental health. It is a constant and continuous, and you really, and nowadays, because you can be mentally challenged and get a gun, you know what I'm saying? Why do you think Starbucks is doing this? Because gun safety is not real safety in this country. Anybody can get a gun. You can have a record of having been committed in an institution and still get a gun in this country. And that's what we're dealing with. Huh? So, you know, here's my question to all of you. Starbucks is closing the stores in 16 places around the country because public safety is an issue. And here's my question for you. Are you ready for an incident? Is pub- have, have you been preparing yourself and taking care of your public safety? Hit, hit, let, let, let me take the question better. If there was a mass shooting in a store where you were, whatever the store was, or wherever you were, would you know what to do? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the answer. Because you think you would know what to do because you sit sit nice and comfortable on the couch watching me right now. But in the moment, have you been trained on what to do and what not to do? And the, the irony is your children probably know because your children go through public safety drills all the time at school. That's just the times that we live in. So your kids... Right. Your kids know what to do. But do you know what to do? If, if you were in a store in a mall or wherever it was and something happened, something just happened in Indiana today. Right. There was a shooting in a mall in Indiana today. If you were there, would you know what to do? And I, and I wager to think that most adults would not know what to do. We've had no training on this. When we were kids, when we were kids, when I was a kid, we never thought about doing any active shooter training. <laughs> We weren't weren't thinking about that, but we need it. I think that employers should be doing these trainings with the people that work for them. In fact, I think, this might sound crazy to y'all, but but that's just what I think. I think that they they ought to have active shooter drills in churches. Because you know, you know when y'all are in the house of the Lord, (laughs) feeling feeling the anointing, right? And somebody walks in there with a gun, don't nobody in that church know what to do? What do you do? And and what I'm saying is people's mental health has so deteriorated that you really can no longer assume that this won't happen here and that this won't happen to me. You got to stop that. When you go into a place now, you got to really consider what's it going to take for you to get out of that place safe. I'm just saying, people. We talk about the zeitgeist. We talk about the culture, right? We talk about the culture, doing it for the culture. This is for the culture. We love the culture. But the zeitgeist of this culture is violence. And for you to ignore that, you do so at your own peril. All right, I got a couple more before I talk to my guest, who I can't wait to talk to, because she's an East Coast. She's an East Coast lady, and I love people from the East Coast, because that's where I'm from. This is an interesting story about roommates. So there's a new trend gaining a lot of steam. And it's a trend, check this out, to have senior citizens be connected with college students as roommates, okay? In a recent story, uh, Nadia Abdullah and Judith Albany were looking for a new place to live and discovered uh, an intergenerational housing agreement that would benefit the both of them. So both of them learned about something called Nestorly, 
It's an online home sharing agency that matches young renters with not so young people looking to supplement their incomes and to share their space. So you have senior citizens, you know, who are a little older, being roommates with college age people. And I was very glad to hear that Nestle does a background check. Because my only concern when I heard about this story was you're you putting a, a, a sociopathic 20-year-old in the house with somebody who's 70? A lot can happen. That's not good. But then I thought, I watch a lot of murder shows, so that's probably what's coming out in my spirit. <laughs> but I'm glad that Nestle does background checks, okay? I, to me, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think I could, if I was a senior citizen, I, I, I just don't think I would want to live with somebody who's 20. But here's what I also know. You're ready for this? The way rent is going up and mortgages are going up and food is going up and gas is going up and electricity is going up, all of us might have to start reconsidering our housing arrangements and what it is we're willing to do or not do in order to not be homeless. Because if prices keep going in the direction that they're going, a lot of us are going to have to reconsider who it is we're willing to call a roommate or have a roommate at all. You follow what I'm saying? I mean, it just just in L.A., New York, even in big cities, Chicago, rent is going through the roof. I mean, through the roof. You can't afford it anymore to sometimes live by yourself. Now, what's interesting about this is that a recent study from the Pew Center said that 18% of Americans live in multi-generational households. 60 million people already live with people who are of a different generation. But in most of those cases, they know those people, right? Their grandparents, their aunts and uncles. But this story is about you living with someone of a different gener generation that you don't know. Yeah. The price to live in this country before it's all over, it's going to make all of us have open, more open minds about what it is we're willing to do and not do to keep a roof over our heads. So if you hear one of your friends or family or someone you care about entering into one of these agreements, trying to, you know, supplementing their rent by renting to someone or trying to find a place to live by, by, by moving in with someone who's older, don't judge them. Keep your, keep your opinion in your mouth to, the, to yourself because you don't know what that arrangement may be keeping them from having to do. And I'd much rather have a roommate who was older than me, or at least in my case, younger than me. <laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs> Someone who's younger than me. Then to be homeless. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is the country that we live in. This is the pains we bear. Let's do one more. Uh, so real quick. You guys heard about this story. I think, I think Tammy Mack did this story. And I think um, I think Claudia talked about this as well, uh, about how um, uh, Geico, the insurance company, was ordered to pay 50, a woman fifty five point two million dollars because she caught an STD in someone's car. <laughs> so because she's caught an STD in someone's car, she sued his insurance company. <laughs> she isn't that interesting. She sued the insurance company because she caught the STD in this man's car. And the man knew he had STD when he had sex with her, and he did not tell her and gave her the disease. And the case went to arbitration, and the judge decided that it can be proven that they had sex in the car, it can be proven that she got the disease, and he ordered that Geico pay this woman $5.2 million. 
Geico is appealing the decision, of course, so we'll see what happens. But shout out to this woman who was not identified in the story, but shout out to her for not just laying down and letting somebody give her something that's going to hurt her and not doing anything about it. That's what I'm talking about. You give me something, I'm coming after your money. <laughs> I like people like this. She's probably from Brooklyn. <laughs> this sounds like somebody from Brooklyn. Not because of having sex in the car, but because of, you know, you willing to sue and get your money. So listen, I'm not a lawyer and I got to go to a break, but I'm not a lawyer and I have no legal, I have no legal, I, I have no legal justification or basis for anything I'm about to say, okay? I'm totally unqualified to say what I'm about to say. I'm not a lawyer. But his, these are my thoughts. If you give me an STD, you should be, and you knew you had a disease, you should be arrested for assault. <laughs> not, not only am I going to sue you, <laughs> I'm going to, I want you to be arrested because you assaulted me. You gave me something that you, you knew you had something and you gave it to me. And the thing you gave to me, you knew it could hurt me, but you did it anyway. And I'm going to end with this. The moral of this story, children, happens to be this. Just tell people the truth. Stop being so selfish and narcissistic that you just want to have an outcome and you don't care about the consequences of your decision and your behavior. Tell people the truth because people have a right to decide if they want to deal with you in the midst of whatever truth you give them. Don't lie to people. You know why? Because when you lie to people, you end up getting sued. And you know what happens? Geico's got to pay somebody $5.2 million because you wanted to lie. Don't do that. <laughs> Let's take a break. When I come back, I'm talking to my sister Tamika about parenting. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. So, you know, being a parent is, is a journey, right? A long time ago, someone said to me, Dr. Sean, you ought to write a book about being a parent. And I said to them, I'm still in the fight. <laughs> I, can't, I can't write books about, about battles I'm still waging. My kids are grown now, so I, I actually could write one now. But here's what I know for sure. And it ain't easy. And it ain't easy not just because the kids are difficult or complicated or wonderful or cute. It ain't easy because a lot of our stuff comes into the, into the mix, right? Can we all be honest as parents and just raise our hand and say that at some point in all of our parenting, some of what we were dealing with, some of what, who we were, came out into parenting. Yeah. Anyway, my guest tonight knows that journey. And she knows it from a place that is sincere and that is powerful. Welcome to the show tonight, Tamika Murphy. Hey, Tamika, how you doing? How you doing? I'm good. I'm I good. love I love your smile. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, no, my pleasure, my pleasure. It's such an honor to have you. Um, I'm looking forward to this conversation. I, th I think you're going to be a blessing to a lot of people. And, yes. and, 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 but I'm also hoping to bless you tonight, okay? If you let me, if you let me, I'm going to try to bless you tonight, okay? I am open to receive. There you go. There you go. And you did your hands right, too. You must have been in church a few times. <laughs> there you go. All right. So 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 let, let's get right to it, because I, I know that you are I heard that you are an overprotective parent. That's why you're here. OK, because you're overprotective parent. Here's my question. When did it dawn on you that you might be a little too overprotective? So what happened that made you think that, you know what, I might be going a little too far? Um, I wouldn't really say something happened in particular. It was just uh, moments where I knew um, because of my, my upbringing, I knew that I had already had the mindset to be overprotective. So you came into parenting 
with a bias, a disposition, a proclivity, right? Because of your own journey and your own story, some of which we can't get into, right? Because, you know, it, 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 it's complicated. And I, I, and I, I, want, I want to focus this conversation uh, not so much on the causes, but on the consequences that causes create, okay? So, so, so give me an example, though. All right, because I'm going to pull this out of you. Give me an example of you just being a little too overprotective. Um, so with my daughter, uh, n- now, I, so let's say that's probably when, uh, when I was like, dang, my daughter is scared to tell me when she has to go to the bathroom um, in public. So because she's familiar with my reaction of people, my reasoning behind her not wanting to be um, in public, going to the bathroom and things like that. She would literally come to me and say, mommy, I know you don't want to hear this, but, and I'll say, you got to go to the bathroom, right? And she'll be like, yeah. She said, I don't want to make you mad or whatever. So that, and the reason behind that for me is why I know it's like, man, I, maybe I need to cool it a little bit mm-hmm. because for her scared to say, I have to use the bathroom, which is such a natural thing. Um, that comes from me. Mm. So if, if I'm understanding you correctly, um, because you want to protect her from 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 crazy people, predators, you know, whatever people do in public places in public. Ba- you, when she when she wants to go to the bathroom in public, your your reaction to her is what? What do you say to her? Well, prior to go even going into the facility or wherever we're going that has a public bathroom, I literally, you know how your parents talk and be like, don't touch nothing, don't <laughs> do this. Mine is not necessarily like touching or wanting something in the store. It's like, we won't be going into this bathroom. Um, I don't want you in a bathroom with other individuals or whatever, things like that. So she already knows the speech that comes from me. Um, so yeah, that would be... The reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, I mean, that, that's a bit much. That's a bit much. Yeah, that's a is. bit much. That's a bit much. But what I like about you is that you are self-aware. You are aware of the fact that that's really your stuff coming out, right? It's, it's, it's not like, it's not like, you know, you, she's in a position where she might be hurt or she is hurt right. or she's told you anything. That's just your thing coming out. So let me ask you this, because we're going to talk about you in a second. Let, let, let's go back to her. Um, generally speaking, not, not, not just with respect to the bathrooms, just generally speaking in the broadest sense, what are you afraid of as it relates to her, your daughter being a parent? What's the fear? People, um, People close to us, people that I don't know when I'm not around, who is protecting my, who can protect my daughter better than I can. Um, The world, uh, I actually don't like the fact that I am raising a child in this world that we live in now. And my greatest fear is losing her before I'm gone. So I try everything in my power to make sure that doesn't happen, which is a gift and a curse for her life right now. Wow. So you're, that's, you said a lot right there, okay? Because I, 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 I got to tease my way through some of that. And probably the most interesting part is that, that, that and, I, and I know you don't regret your daughter, so that's not what you're saying. At all. But, but, what you have, but you do regret the world that she lives in. Absolutely, 100%. Wow, say more about that. You, you actually touched on it a little bit. Um, when I was growing up, I, I, I was born in the 80s, so... When I was growing up, we had the opportunity to go outside and play 
and wait till the street lights came on to go in the house. We had the opportunity to be in the backyard, to be down at our friend's house um, and not really worry about anything. And today my daughter couldn't even cross the street by herself. Um, we have human trafficking. We have crazy people out there wait, waiting to pick your child up when you turn your head. Um, we have people within our own family sometimes that um, are not who we think that they are. And I think about that all the time. Um, and it, it's not good at all. It stresses me out as well. Um, and I can't take it back because my daughter is here. Mm, yeah, yeah. No, that, you, you said that quite uh, brilliantly. And, and I, 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 I can feel the sentiment and the sincerity with which and by which you said that. Um, and even even your face changed when you were talking about that, because my, my sense of it is this. You're not playing. This is a real, genuine concern for you. And it comes from that deep place that only a mother can summon, right? You want to protect your daughter. So let me ask you this. Did you always want to be a mom? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, 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 te- and tell everybody why not. Um, I, I just didn't want to. Uh, I really, I grew up with all boys. Um, and being a mom was the last thing in my mind at all. I wanted to be a WNBA player. Uh, and live my life. Uh, even when I was asked, I never wanted to be married. I never wanted to have kids or any of that because it just wasn't, I wasn't that person at 11 um, trying to plan my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know, listen, there, there are exceptions, right, to that. Um, and, 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 and again, what I love about you is your clarity with respect to who you are, how you manifest and show up in the world um and yet you and 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 yet you are a mom and yet you became a mom right it is it it says something to those of us who say i ain't gonna never 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 right (laughs) right right and then we end up what doing exact so 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 at some point it changed for you right um can you can you identify when it changed or how it changed um it changed when i got married um when I was married, uh, it, obviously I'm older now. Um, I'm more mature. Uh, so a family, a, the vision of a family wasn't so far fetched for me now as an adult, uh, and me and my daughter's mom, uh, we talked about it a lot and it was something that kind of opened up my mom mind to say, you know, I didn't have that growing up and to have the vision to say, man, maybe I could give, a good life to to someone and bringing them into this world. Um, we were we were in a happy place, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, my marriage made me change my mind for sure. Um, she was definitely playing. <laughs> love, love will change you, won't it? Yes. Yeah. No. Love, I, love, that's a great answer. I mean, love, love will make you consider things that you never considered before. <laughs> and I'm happy to hear uh, that that you and and the woman of your dreams. Um, you had you had you had that effect on each other. I'm sure there's some things about her that you were able to 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 change and to and to and to make her consider. So so let me ask you this before I take this break, because I have a sense of the kind of mom that you are, and I have a I have a sense of your self awareness to understand that 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 it might be cumbersome and problematic. Well, let me ask you this: what what do you think your overprotection is doing to your daughter? Um, it's, I'm not allowing her to be a kid as much as she 
should be. Um, I, I when I, I it's bad. <laughs> it's really bad. A lot of things like even if we're going to the park, I can see all the moms who are so comfortable with just letting their kid go run around and play. When my daughter's at the park, I go every step of the way with her. Like she never is out of my sight. And so I know that I'm suffocating her with being able to grow up and be a kid. I, I'm, I'm robbing her of that experience to some way, shape or form. Um, and not but I can see when I'm doing it and I don't know how to get away from it. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I got to take a break, but, but before I do, I'm going to push you a little bit because here's what I asked you. What do you think it's doing to her? Not, 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 hold on, hold on. Emotionally, psychologically, what do you think it's doing to her? I wish I knew. Um, mm. I have never asked her that, uh, which is probably selfish. And I'm knowing that it's selfish by talking to you today. Um, that maybe that is a question that I should definitely ask my daughter. She's six years old, so she would understand. Um, but I don't have that answer because I've never taken the time to find out. Mm. I just protecting her by any means necessary. Yeah. I, Tamika, I like you. I'm t- I'm t- I'm going to tell you right now. I like you. I, I like I like your authenticity. <laughs> I like your honesty. Um I like your self-awareness. Uh, we 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 got to take a break, okay? When we come back, I want to talk to Tamika just a little bit about and generally speaking, just some of her childhood trauma because a lot of this grows out of her trauma, right? And I also want to I also want to say something to her that I think uh, we'll give her a little illumination about this, all right? You don't want to go anywhere, because this is about to get deep and special that fast, all right? So let's do this break, and when we come back, we're going to peel back the onion right after this. Welcome back, everybody. I'm having an amazing conversation with Tamika tonight, and we're talking about parenting, but more specifically about the, the, the dangers that come along with living in a world um, where people are not always kind, not always safe. Uh, where real predators and real problems exist. Tamika, let me, let me just say this to you. Um, I, you know, I, I find you tonight to be such, such an interesting, um, again, sincere spirit. Uh, tell me, what kind of mom do you want to be? Um, I want to be a, well, I'm already a cool mom, but um, I just I want have to... no doubt that you're a cool mom, by the way. <laughs> I have no doubt that you're like the cool, coolest of all the moms. You're probably the coolest one. But keep going. I, I am. She tells me all the time. But um, I just want to be uh, and I keep going back to myself. And, and it, it sounds selfish, but I just want to be a mom at peace. Fairly mm. um, where my it has nothing to do with my daughter. But I feel like if I'm at peace. Um, then my daughter would have a peaceful life as much as I can possibly provide for her because I can't dictate her future um, or her present. But if I can just have a peace of mind to to know that everything will be okay to the best that we possibly can, I think I can let up a little bit. Yeah, and and when you said that your face changed, your eyes changed, um, I, I can tell just from looking at you, especially your eyes, um, that you sincerely want that for her. I asked you before we took, a, took the break about what you thought this was doing to your daughter. And you have in part answered your own, my question. And, and that is, I bet you all the money in my pocket against all the money in your pocket that when you ask her, she, she may not have the word for this, but what she's going to ultimately say is that it, it's gonna, it makes her anxious 
because mm. your, your children can feel your fear. They can feel how we feel. And that energy that's created, right, by always being on guard, probably fills her with anxiety and with the absence of peace. So the peace that you want is probably the peace that's being denied to her. When I say that, what do you feel? I feel that you're telling, probably telling the truth. Um, and now by you, you talking, it just makes me kind of rewind back to days where I probably would have saw it, that where I was causing that to her. Um, has there ever been any examples or evidence in her to know that, that would, that's what I was doing? Um, so that's what kind of happened while you yeah. talking. Yeah. Okay. So, so here, here's the thing that I've been waiting to say to you this entire conversation. Okay. Okay. What would you say if I said to you that your overprotection of her is really you trying to protect the child in you, (laughs) trying to give you what you should have gotten a long time ago, trying to protect you. If I said that to you, I see it in your eyes. What 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 are you feeling right now? What's that? Um <laughs> No no don't no no don't fight it. Give it to me. What's that? Cause it's the truth, I guess. Um and I don't know if that's more personal. When I was seven, I tried to commit suicide from my traumas. And I believe like that day. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. You can handle this. Um, I believe that day, that seven-year-old person kind of died. Like, and you know how they say, like, uh, um, you have like these two personalities, and one turns into a whole nother person trying to protect that inner um, innocent, weak person. I feel like that day that happened, like, and I've had this conversation a lot where I would talk to my friends and be like my seven-year-old self has been trying to come out and be a seven-year-old for so long. And I built this wall within myself um, to say that like that person will never come back out again. So, and my daughter's six and I'm having this conversation with you right now, which means the universe is telling me something. Um, so I, 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 you're, you're absolutely right. And that's probably why I don't have the answers and probably why I can't get past being this person because I never even was able to heal my own seven-year-old self to actually grow into the person that God wanted me to be, I guess. So. Mm-hmm. It's, so, it's, so, it's so powerful what you just said and what you're doing right now. Um, what would you say to the little girl in you? If, if, if she was here right now look, looking at you, talking to you, what would you want to say to her, to the little girl in you, the seven-year-old? Um, uh, maybe, I don't know what I would possibly say to the seven-year-old, but I know my seven-year-old self would probably say thank you mm. for not quitting. Um, for not giving up and my about to be 39 year old self would say um, no problem (laughs) (laughs) honestly if we had a conversation I would probably say to my seven year old self that I appreciate you 
um, allowing me to take over. And that would be my honesty. Um, because although other people would have wanted the other way around, my who I became that day at seven allowed me to still be here today. So I think we would probably hug each other and thank each other, one for protecting the other, and then the other for allowing me to protect it. Mm. No, that's rich. It's rich and it's powerful. And can can I add something to that? Because I, because because I, part of why I'm going down this stream of thought is because I think until your until the adult you understands that you no longer need to protect the child in you, you won't be able to allow your daughter to have the peace and the experience that she deserves. You see, at yeah. some point, at some point, the, the two of you have to say, we made it. Yeah. <laughs> I felt that in my spirit, even if you didn't. <laughs> at, at, at some point, the two of you have to look at each other and say, we did it. We survived. And, and we don't have to fight all the time. And we don't have to hide or run all the time. And we don't have to protect all the time. Because now, Tamika, you are strong enough, grown enough, powerful enough, anointed enough, called enough, chosen enough to handle anything that comes. And when you own that and embrace that, right? In fact, let me say this to you. You are doing what you know how to do as a mom. And you are doing the best that you can. Because that's the case, you are doing good because what you're doing is coming out of a good place. You follow me? Your intentions are good. You're doing the best that you can. and You're doing what you know how to do. What I want to say to you going forward is this, is the way that you do better is to remember that the goal of your parenting is to make sure your daughter has peace. That's what you said. And the only way for her to have peace is for you to have it first. So, no, I for sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I could tell on your face that you received it and that you get it and you understand. Are you in counseling? Uh, I was in counseling when I was in the Army, but I haven't been since I retired. Okay, okay. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest that you probably just, just, ha- just have a few sessions with some folks, all right, because the kind of trauma that you went through deserves to, d- deserves to be a, in a process that's healing and, that, and that's and that's and that's. Uh, uh, comforting for you and i believe this the more you talk about it and process it the more you're going to be able to step away from it step back from it and see it with perspective which will allow you to see your daughter with perspective as well okay um i think you're going to be fine um in fact i know you're going to be fine but but here's what i also know i know that your love for your daughter from this day forward will dictate that you rethink Whatever, whatever parts of you that won't allow her to thrive or to fly or to be outside of your sight, that your love for her, I believe, is strong enough to overcome your insecurities and your needs to be in control. OK, I don't want anything bad, anything bad to happen to anybody that you love. But here's what I know for sure, that sometimes we can overprotect to the degree that we end up hurting the people we're claiming to protect. Yes. Yeah. So. I'm I'm glad you came on tonight. Thank you for this. I I appreciate you more than you know. Um, Just that conversation has opened up my eyes a lot um, to the point once 
I'm going to have a conversation with my daughter today because I've never asked that question to her as to how does my parenting affect her. And I don't want to wait six more years to find that out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I listen this, this conversation is why I do this show. Like the, the moment we had tonight is what makes this show worth it to me. Um, I'm, 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 I'm happy for you. I'm proud of you. I'm excited about your future. Real, real, real quick, well, you know what? They're going to yell at me. No, I'm going to ask you this question and get yelled at. Real quick, give me a short answer. What do you hope for? I, I, I just want peace and love. I hope for peace and love always. Yeah, well, I, I speak it over your life. And I, and I decree and declare that it will be yours and it will be your daughter's, all right? I got to let you go. Thank you for coming on, okay? Thank you so much for having me. Yes, yes, yes. Listen, I, I enjoyed that. So let's take this break. When we come back, we're going to do some Ask Dr. Sean. I'm going to say a little more about this conversation uh, as it relates to parenting. Woo! We'll be right back. Everybody, powerful, interesting conversation, right? Um, it, it's amazing because sometimes we, we progress and we grow to a stage where we are older and we are adults, and yet there are parts of us that are still children that are trying to be resolved and healed, right? And we all have a part of us that's still trying to be healed. But the thing I said to her and the thing I want to say to you and the thing I say to me is that that part of you that's a kid, it does, he, he doesn't need, in my case, he or in your case, she, they don't need protecting anymore. We don't have to spend the rest of our lives trying to protect the child in us from something that's no longer happening. And that's the key is to understand that what you've gone through and what you've been through, it is real, it is powerful, it is traumatic, but thanks be to God, in most cases, it's over. And that's the thing that's hardest to embrace, that we have survived it, we've overcome it, and it's come to an end. And the moment we embrace the fact that it's over is the moment we seize the power to move on with our lives. I think Tamika will get it, she'll do it, and she'll give her daughter the peace that she deserves because it will be the peace that Tamika creates for herself. All right, let's do some Ask Dr. Sean right now, people. You know what I'm going to say highly. Go ahead, do it. You guys always send me great videos. Let's take a look at one right now. Hey, Dr. Sean, my name is Larry Carter, and I have a question. Uh, I was discussing Roe versus Wade with a friend, and I was wondering, do you think potential fathers should have a say-so if their partner decides to terminate their pregnancy? Great question, man. I appreciate that. And my answer to that is, is quite direct and quite simple. Uh, yes, a, a dad should have a, a voice, right? Uh, he should say what he believes as it relates to wanting um, the woman of his life, in his life, who's pregnant by him, uh, to have the baby of desperate. Yes, absolutely, men should have a say. But men, we should also understand that it's not ultimately our decision because the baby is not in our bodies. You, you, get, you, get, you, get, it? you get what I'm saying? Men should have a say because we are helping to produce half of the chromosomes for this kid, right? But we also have to understand that our, what we think and how we feel comes with limits. And the limit is that ultimately, when it's all said and done, at the end of the day, the sister is the one who has to carry this baby to term and deal with it and bear it and give birth to it. But here's the thing I think men need to understand as well. Let's say in the case that you're asking me, a woman doesn't want to have the baby. A man wants to have the baby. 
in that case, the men, all men, me, all men, we have to ask ourselves an important question. What kind of mom will she be if she has a baby that she didn't want to have? What kind of life will that kid have when he or she is raised by someone who didn't want him, but only had it because the man in her life talked her into doing it or made her feel some sort of compunction to sort of have this baby? What kind of mom will that will that make her? Having something and giving birth to something you really don't want doesn't pretend to be something wonderful. And I, I, quite frankly, I would not want to be born to anybody who didn't want me because newsflash, I, w- I was exactly born to someone who didn't want me, left me in the garbage can because that's what happens when babies are born to people who don't want them. So, yes, men should have a say. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Yeah, you should have a say. But we have to understand that there are limits to our influence in this because that baby is in that woman's body. At the end of the day, it's her body. And she has a right and a responsibility to do what is what is in the best interest of her body because her body belongs to her. It's an interesting question. I appreciate it. Let's take a break. We'll be right back with more Ask Dr. Sean right after this. Welcome back, everybody. Someone DM me a most interesting question. Here it is. My married pastor is having sex with a woman from my congregation. Since discovering this, it's hard for me to respect him, and I'm considering leaving his church. Am I overreacting, or should I, or should his actions, rather, have anything to do with me receiving the word of God from him? Well, I think both things can be true. You can be disgusted with his behavior and to some degree be overreacting a little bit. Here's what I mean by that. Um, Your pastor's married and your pastor is having an affair with someone who's a member of his church. Red flags everywhere. (laughs) Moral compromise run amok. But the thing you have to remember is that your pastor is a human being and he's a guy. He's a man with fallibilities and foibles and failures and so anytime your pastor gets up and preaches the gospel whether you know what he's doing or not know what he's doing in this case you do he's always preaching from with his failures in his pocket he's always preaching with his foolishness you know running around somewhere at the bottom of the soles of his feet we never proclaim the gospel or give people the word of god in perfection we always give it to people compromised in some way now in this case he is extremely compromised morally and he's going to have to absolutely reconcile himself uh, to the best of what he's supposed to be because either i mean if you don't want if you want to sleep with this person then don't be married right you can't you can't in his position have it both ways but your question is about you and what i want to say to you is this that before you leave the church or move on because i I, to me it sounds absolutely reasonable to feel like you know it's it's too much drama going on here so maybe i want to go somewhere where i don't have to deal with all that And, and you can't know too much about a minister i get that but what i don't want to want you to do and this is why i said you know it can be both I don't want you to just sit around and critique and condemn and judge him. One of the things we don't do is we don't pray for people who are failing. You know what I'm saying? Your main responsibility right now before you decide to leave is to pray for your pastor. Is to pray that he's restored. Is to pray that he's held accountable because accountability and truth is the only way he's going to get better. Is to make sure that you want to lift him up and, and, and that he become better, a better version of what he's supposed to be. Because 
I wager to think that it's his failure today, but it'll be your failure tomorrow. Please don't think that because you know what you know about him, that at some point people won't know something about you that doesn't make you look good. We all fail. We all fall on our face. We all make mistakes. And how you handle someone when they fail sends out the energy and the spirit and the vibe for how you will be handled when you fail. So before you get up and decide to leave, and I understand how leaving might be reasonable. Maybe you should practice some of the principles of Christianity and apply them to the one who taught them to you. Give him the grace and some of the mercy that he's taught and tried to give other people. While at the same time understanding that he was always just a man. He's never the God he preaches about. He stands in need of the God that he's given and tried to proclaim in your presence. So good luck with that. All right. When in doubt, pray for people. All right. Um, got another video. Let's take a look at this one right now. Hello, Dr. Sean. My name is Tiffany Daniel from Los Angeles, California. I'm a working mother. I spend a lot of time away from my daughter. But the time I do spend with her, I like to make the most of it. Do you have any suggestions? Oh, yes, I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. Um, a couple, just, just, just some off the top of my head real fast. Um, I think it's always great for parents uh, to check in, check in with their kids and ask them important questions about their day, about um, who said something that hurt your feelings, um, what's the best thing that you heard all week, um, who do you feel uh, supports you, um, having substantive conversation about how your kids feel and their experience, right? And when you have that conversation with your kids, the important thing is to do is never to react, never to get upset, never to get mad, never to get defensive, but to listen so well that you can repeat back to your kid what they said to you so they feel like they've been hurt. Here's the other thing I would advise you to do. Talk about dreams. Allow your children to express their dreams, but also allow them to hear yours. Because we only learn how to dream big because we are around people who are dreaming big. And I would say have vision conversations with your daughter or with your child. Have vision conversations about what you want to do, what you want to accomplish, right? Here's one of the most important things you can do as a parent, and I did this with my kids all the time, is I taught them principles. I didn't just give them rules. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. I mean, because rules are made to be what? Say it. Broken, right? I gave my kids principles, things and values that I wanted them to live up to. In this house, we believe in compassion. Now, you, you, listen, you, you, can, you can get an F, and I probably won't kill you. You can steal the car, and I'll still let you come home. But if you become a bully and you're mean, you got to find you somewhere else to live. Principles. As long as, as uh, behavior, I can forgive. But, but, but character, none are non-negotiable. So I would say give your child principles. Things that say, if you don't tell your children what we believe and what we stand for as a family, they'll, they'll figure it out on their own. So tell them compassion and goodness and truth and love. This is what we stand for. What do you think about that? I'm assuming you have a daughter. I think I heard you say you had a daughter. Um, ask her what love is. Huh? We never teach our kids how to date. We never teach them how to fall in love. We need to do that. These are all important conversations we need to have. Thank you for that question. It's a great question. Two really great questions. Well, three really great questions. Listen, everybody, thank you for tuning in. I love my guest tonight. I love the journey she's on. I love the journey that you're on, okay? 
I promise you, if you keep going, you're going to be all right. Every part of you that needs to be healed will be healed before it's all over. Trust life. Trust the God that gave us life, all right? Thank you for tuning in tonight. I will see you real soon. You guys be good to each other. 